I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Billboard Chart Beat Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard's co-director of charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, Billboard's chart manager. This is where we talk about why what's on the charts is on the charts. Look at a historical aspect as well to compare uh, what's going on now with what's happened in the past. And we'll actually see this week there's something happening uh, on the Billboard Hot 100 that has never happened before. So we'll get into that. Uh, it's summertime, Trevor. Memorial Day has happened. Uh, yeah, even though it, for us in New York, it's barely 60 degrees, so not quite the summer we were expecting. It's not snowing, at least. A little break from the snow. Uh, no, not we're not quite at the nuclear winter yet. All right, lots to get to uh, on the podcast this week. Uh, as always, we'll run down the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, record for Ed Sheeran in the top five this week. Uh, main part of the show, our guest this week is Andrea Dresdale from ABC Radio. She was at the Billboard Music Awards uh, last week. Cozied up to a lot of people. Trevor, we're going to find out who she was talking to backstage. Yeah, there's a, there's a pretty good list of A-listers there. Some, some A-list children as well, which I guess they're still kind of A-list themselves, but some children of musical legends. We'll also talk Song of the Summer uh, with Andrea, so get really deep into uh, summer music, uh, some of which is already out, uh, other songs that uh, may be just building, maybe uh, coming along uh, this summer as well. So uh, we'll talk about that, and we're also going to flash back all the way to 2015. To another massive summer hit, uh, courtesy of Taylor Swift and Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, and there's kind of a tie-in to what's happening on the Hot 100 with that uh, this week as well. So we will get to all that this week. First, here is this week's Top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Number 10. Number 9. Push me to the edge. Phantom, that's all right. Inside all white. Number eight. 
number seven. Just take your time. The clock is ticking, so stay. All you have to do is wait a second. Number six. And number one for a third week, or as we might say here, una tercera semana. Yeah. Trey bien, Trevor. That, you need to put like the, you got to put the, 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 in it. Where's it at, Gary? That's the best of my friends. That's the best he's got. But yeah, uh, third week at number one this week on the Hot 100 for Despacito. That is the Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee song featuring Justin Bieber. Um, it's number one this week again, Gary, on the Hot 100. And it's showing no signs of slowing down. In fact, it's getting even stronger, up 14% this week in overall activity. Yeah, so I, I think a lot of people have been looking at sort of the battle, you know, the battle of the Bieber songs, uh, Despacito and I'm the One. I'm the one debuted at number one, but then Despacito has taken it over and last couple of weeks really uh, outpacing it. So uh, as you just said, Trevor, up 14% this week for Despacito. Uh, I'm the one is up 3%. Last week they were up 11 and 1%. So both gaining, but Despacito gaining a lot more, really widening its lead. And as, uh, as we're about to talk about more songs of the summer, Despacito could really be setting itself up for a, a really long run at number one. Yeah. Yeah. This would have been, um, I mean, it, it, crazy if you would have predicted this, you know, even three months ago at the end of Q1 when Ed Sheeran was taken over um, as Bruno Mars, who's number two this week on the Hot 100. I know we kind of talked about one and three. This is the this is the song that just it feels right with the mood, with summertime coming up as we're talking about, just a feel good, you know, dancey kind of layback song. And yeah. It, you know, it works. I heard it on, on KTU here in New York last week on the radio, and, it, and I thought it was interesting. Both at the same time, it sounded... Totally like it fits in on Top 40 Radio. And at, at the same time, if you were kind of half listening, you might think, why are they playing the Spanish language song that really sounds like a, a core Latin music hit? And then you hear Bieber and it all kind of works in. But it's just sort of interesting how it, it sounds completely like it fits at Pop Radio at the moment, but also that it stands out. And yeah, I think that's kind of the sweet spot that every song, in theory, wants to try to hit. That it's, you know, it's different enough to where you seek it out, but at the same time... You know, it is in such a jar that people feel like, whoa, that's that's way too left field. I mean, again, yeah, and, you know, we've seen over the past couple of years in particular, a lot of a lot of Latin music and Spanish music making its way up the charts a couple of times. A lot of superstars have collaborated and and really gotten on this wave. Um, and I think, 
you know, maybe it's one of those things, too, is we hit more of a global society, you know, things that are, I mean, look at like the global Spotify or YouTube chart versus like the American chart dominated by Spanish music. Right. And all it takes, I mean, literally nowadays, all it takes is one click for you to jump over and see what's what's going on over here. And, you know, bam, you're there. This is sort of uh, turning out maybe like the summer of 2013 when you had the two Pharrell songs. You had uh, Get Lucky. Blurred Lines and Get Lucky. Yeah. And maybe people might have thought that Get Lucky was going to be the bigger hit because it just sounded like more what's on the radio, really poppy. And then Blurred Lines kind of came out of nowhere and that became the bigger hit. Maybe that's what's happening this year with Despacito and I'm the One. Uh, yeah. I mean, I thought that – I mean, I – I guess for better or worse was always on team blurred lines. I, I mean, I, I mean, I like both of them a lot. And yeah. I thought that it's weird. Cause I thought get lucky was a better sort of quality song. Like when it won the Grammys and things like that, I was like, okay, like that's, that's what needs it over, over blurred lines. But I felt like blurred lines was just such a, a, a groove. And I, I don't know if it's because it has, has at least been ruled to take so much of a Marvin Gaye song that, right. you know, you couldn't escape it. But yeah, it's kind of interesting, right, that you've had uh, these summers where uh, two huge hits featuring the same artist, different types of songs, both wound up huge hits. And just because we're, we're the charts department, we have to uh, rank them and say which one is, is higher than the other one. And Blurred Lines wound up becoming a bigger hit long term than, uh, than Get Lucky. But it seems like the same thing could be happening this year. That's what the charts shaking out to look like. I mean, it's interesting because also I'm kind of wonder. I mean, I'm the one having so many people on there, probably a lot of interesting chances for them to perform it. You know, who might bring out some guest artists on tour or maybe in the Summertime Festival, Chance is doing a lot of spots. So maybe they'll pop up there as well. All right. The other uh, big uh, news in the top five this week, Ed Sheeran is at number five, uh, drops from four to five. But what's key about that is it's its 20th week on the chart. They've all been in the top five. That's never happened before in the history of the Hot 100 that goes back to 1958. Yeah, um, I mean, this song came out the first, I guess, the first Friday of January, uh, along with Castle on the Hill. And, I mean, you know, basically ever since then, like all of 2017, this song has been in the top five of the Hot 100, which is obviously a record-breaking achievement. Do, do you think the song, like, feels 20, 20 weeks old at this point? I guess that's the, that's the biggest thing for me. It's, I, I know it's been out that long, but at the same time, it feels... It's like I don't like I don't even mind it. It's not like it feels overplayed or oversaturated. I think a lot of these trap house songs that we've heard now in the last couple of years or so, because there's that reggae sound to them. It's there's something about the sound that just doesn't seem to age that much. They still sound fresh. It's a sound that just has a lot of staying power. I, I'm kind of with you. It still sounds pretty fresh. Yeah, and I mean, like you mentioned, of course, the the trap house sound being. One of the key drivers of it, I mean, it takes the record of that 20 weeks in the top five from another Trap House leaning track, which is Justin Bieber's Sorry, which had its first 19 weeks in the top five when it debuted at the end of 2015 and carrying over into 2016. Um, I mean, of course, another Bieber achievement from this last cycle has been huge. Obviously, that really helped usher in their albums, you know, Divide from Ed Sheeran, Purpose from Justin Bieber, lighting up the charts as well, doing exceptionally well. Um, so yeah, maybe it is something about that particular groove that makes it, you know, I mean, even last year's see as cheap thrills, same kind of vibe was a huge summer hit at radio, you know, just long longevity was, was good as well. Songs with kind of a happy, upbeat 
dance sound just tend to always sound fresh? I mean, disco songs now, 40 yeah. years later, still sound fresh. Maybe there's some element of that to it. I mean, even one dance, I feel like, doesn't sound right. You know, as big as that was and as much as we've kind of heard it, it doesn't, it doesn't to me feel like, oh, God, one dance again. And uh, one more Ed Sheeran uh, angle for this week. Uh, Liam Payne's Strip That Down featuring Quavo uh, is the Hot 100's top debut. Ed Sheeran is one of the writers. He's actually one of 15 writers on the song. You know, and that, I guess that's one thing that people lament about music nowadays is there are 15 writers on a track. What happened to the good old days when Freddie Mercury could, you know, pin it out himself or or Michael Jackson or, or you know, Linda McCartney, whoever? Do we need 13 more people on the podcast? Could you imagine? So Ed Sheeran doing well. Also, uh, Castle on the Hill, uh, the follow-up to Shape of You, hits the top 30 this week, goes 39 to 30. Uh, we, we had John McMahon on from Atlantic Records here on the podcast a few weeks ago. He was saying how you, you kind of worry in that situation. It's a good problem to have that such a big hit like Shape of You could kind of swallow up a follow-up. Swallow up a follow-up. Uh, yeah, look, at, look at that. Look at that. It's doing really well on its own. It's the top 10 at adult pop radio, almost top 10 at all format radio. So as big a shape of you is Castle on the Hill is carved out its own place as the follow up. And one of the reasons that Castle on the Hill has been doing so well, uh, like you mentioned, in the top 30 of the Hot 100 this week, is that Ed Sheeran performed the song on the Billboard Music Awards on ABC on May 21st. And ABC Radio's Andrea Dresdale was there on the red carpet backstage as well, getting a lot of scoops and sort of insider reactions from what was going on. She's great at interviewing so many stars. Yeah, it sounds like she had a, a great, I mean, ran the gamut really between Prince Michael Jackson was there, Cher and Celine Dion getting some some big praise too online and social media. So um, let's find out from Andrea what else was going on at the BBMAs and maybe some backstage scoop and who else she talked to. So Andrea Dresdale of ABC Radio here on the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Andrea Dresdale, Manager, Entertainment Programming for ABC Radio. Welcome back, Andrea. Thanks uh, for having me once again. You don't have anything specifically to do with the TV 
side, do you? And who renews or cancels ABC TV shows, do you? Why do you want to make a pitch for a favorite I, I, show? I would love, I would love for Imaginary <laughs> Mary to come back, but I guess that's not in the works. Is it? Well, it's not not really my uh, my thing. Sorry, I have no pull there. All right. Well, thank you for being here. You've been on before, so thank you for coming back. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Trevor. This is someone who was backstage. At the BBMA is talking to a lot of people there. I know. Who would you speak with? What'd you find out? Well, I have to say that the greatest moment of the whole backstage experience uh, came courtesy of Celine Dion. We all saw her perform My Heart Will Go On on the show in that fabulous dress. So she comes backstage in the fabulous dress. Her stylist is crawling on the floor behind her, making sure the train is all nice and flat. I mean, he's literally, there's like a little carpet back, little mini red carpet backstage. She's walking, he's literally sitting on the floor, like filming her from behind. <laughs> and after she's done speaking about how emotional it was to perform and all that stuff, uh, then she's on her way out when she notices that Cher has come on and she's singing Believe. So she just stops and she quiets everybody down because she wants to see Cher. So she's watching Cher then she starts singing along with Cher in, sh in an imitation of Cher. We all start singing along, too. And we're all singing and dancing along with Celine Dion and Cher on the monitor. So that was a really, really great moment, I have to say. Yeah, I, I like a lot of people. I guess somebody filmed that moment because I saw it going like viral that Everybody night. Everybody was filming backstage. it. Yeah, it and was I was so cool. I was standing like right next to Celine. It was really funny. Okay, what was like the? Some people are saying like it was almost like the iceberg itself. Like, what was that dress like? Like up? Like how big she, were those shoulder pads? She really? called it actually. She called it her clouds. Um, she said that when her stylist brought her fifteen racks of dresses to choose from, she said as soon as she saw those clouds, she was like done. She really, she really loved the clouds. It was, um, they were pretty massive, though, I have to say. Because they looked like, yeah, I mean, they're like up to her face, probably. Yeah, yeah. And then she had the um, illusion netting in between, you know, that had a very deep V plunge, but she had the illusion netting in between, so it wasn't as bare as it looked on TV. But, uh, you know, she's very, she's just, she's a delight. She's very funny. She's always making jokes. And then after she was uh, done, Rachel Platten ran up to her, and Rachel Platten is fangirling like you wouldn't believe, begging for a photo, right. and Selena's like, oh, you know, it's, of course, and they're posing for a photo, and one of the other reporters says, Rachel, what's going through your head right now? And Celine says, excuse me, we are taking a photo here right now, okay? Like, she was just, like, <laughs> shutting people down so Rachel could have her moment, right. and that was very nice. It um, seemed like a lot of people were excited to meet Celine Dion there. People have grown up listening to her or now, you know, younger artists. Yeah, it is for the first time. Maybe. It's funny uh, because she had been on the show last year and she came backstage and talked to people. And that was kind of a very heavy emotional moment. She sang The Show Must Go On, which right. was her late husband's favorite song. Right. And uh, but I didn't see the excitement of everybody wanting to meet her until uh, this weekend. It was it was kind of cool. But the other Celine related thing that I saw, which was very cool, is that her son, Rene Char, was there Uh he gave her the Icon Award last year, as I'm sure you remember. So he was there, and P. Diddy and the Notorious B.I.G.'s son, C.J. Wallace, right. were walking the carpet together backstage, and all of a sudden they kind of stopped all the interviews, and they formed like a like a coterie around him, and the security came out and brought Rene Charle out so he could meet them. So they were talking and handshaking and he and CJ were like hugging each other and it was really great because it was you know the, the kids of two legends 
a meeting of the minds. And CJ said something about, oh, we should collaborate. I have no idea what they'd collaborate on because it's not like Rene Shaw was a musician. But uh, but that was a very sweet moment. And then later on in the evening, Prince Michael Jackson right. came backstage. Yeah. It would have been great to have all three of yeah. them. That didn't happen, but it was cool enough to see those two together. I thought that on, on screen, uh, Biggie's son and uh, Prince Jackson both were really poised. I mean, I'm sure they're, they're in the spotlight you know, a lot, the way they've grown up, but they just seemed like that moment was not too big for them, and they were very well-spoken. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was asking CJ a little bit about his music, and it turns out he's actually part of a group. He's not a solo artist, and he said that it, it's not hip-hop specifically. It's it's pretty eclectic, the way he described it. Um, but yes, I agree. He, he spoke very well. He was very poised. He talked about the mentor relationship that he has with Diddy. Diddy told me that when he was a little kid, he didn't see him much but he was always, quote unquote, a phone call away. But now that he's older, he says he's really getting the blessing of being able to hang out with him. And he's really he seems to be really enjoying that. Um, and in terms of Prince Michael Jackson, I spoke with him on the carpet and he yes, he's very well spoken, very poised. We talked a little bit about his charity. I asked him about uh, his sister and what where he thinks she's going to settle because as we all know every day she signs a new deal to do something else right. and uh, he said that he thinks she'll find her place but he's very proud of her she th- he thinks she's a great actress and you know we'll see where that goes how was your uh, singing with Celine right next to her? Was that intimidating? Uh, well, <laughs> she was doing the share impression, so I wasn't really trying to, you know, uh, make a big deal. It was just a spontaneous emotional thing. Who else did you <laughs> talk to? Uh, Florida Georgia Line one came backstage. Uh, we talked about the fact that they keep on doing all these collaborations. Nelly, uh, they sang with John Legend on the show. They are on a track on the Chainsmokers record. Um, and they're touring with Nelly and the Backstreet Boys. They did the duet with the Backstreet Boys, and uh, I asked them about why their music is so conducive to doing those collaborations, and basically they said because they wear their influences on their sleeves. Everything that they've ever listened to is part of their music, and then Brian Kelly uh, of Florida Georgia Line teased that more collaborations would be coming. He was gonna dro- They were going to drop them on the world, so I don't know what that is, but stay tuned for that. Listen, seeing you got ritualistic, cleansing my soul of addiction for now, cause I'm falling. You know, unfortunately, we were uh, disappointed that Drake didn't come backstage. He came back for photos, but he did not talk to us. The, uh, uh, the- keep, keeping that, I mean, this is what. How long is Drake gone without doing, you know, an interview? This is yeah, it didn't continuing that streak. Yeah. yeah, of course. Uh, the uh, Korean boy band that won BTS. I, I spoke with them. I mean, there's seven of them, so right. that was kind of difficult. They were here they, at Billboard recently. Yeah. With the whole team. It was one of the, the biggest uh, entourages we've seen. Yeah, they were. They were just very, very happy about the fact that they were recognized on an American show because, you know, while they may be incredible superstars in their home country, they say America is what they dream of. America is, is always their goal. Um, I impressed them with my one word of Korean, so that was pretty funny. <laughs> Which go ahead and impress us too. Oh, on Young Haseo. What does that mean? Hello. Of course. Okay, <laughs> I figured as much. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good, good word to learn. <laughs> now it felt like a breakout moment for K-pop too to be recognized on a show like that that's so mainstream. And I mean, it was incredible. Just the audience reaction. We know they always had a big social presence, but I mean, the screams that they got. Like, I mean, just deafened you know what anybody else got it was it was incredible to hear and they also talked about what how great it was to hear their songs on the radio in america is you know when they hear their songs on the radio at home it's not it's no big deal but when they hear them here it's you know massive for them any favorite interviews of people you were talking to on the red carpet um well it was great to talk to 
to Prince Michael Jackson. Um, I spoke with Machine Gun Kelly, who I like a lot. I had just recently done a long sit down with him. Who else did I talk to? I talked to Chris Daughtry. I talked to Imagine Dragons, uh, who gave a little tribute to Chris Cornell. So I asked them about that. Right. Um, I asked Chris Daughtry what kind of judge he would be on American Idol even though he can't confirm whether or not he's going to be on American Idol. And he said he was just going to be blunt, like he is at home. Like, that's terrible. <laughs> and any inside info, Andrea, about being on ABC? About no, Idol? you know what? I wish that I did have inside info, but it's all just a mystery to us as all well. Right. And um, who else? DG Khaled, who was just over the moon about the fact that I'm the one hit number one right. on the Billboard Hot 100 and that it debuted at number one. That right. is the thing that really impressed him. And he said it brought a t- tear to his eye. It was just unbelievable. But he's such a, a positive, happy guy. You know, he's so enthusiastic all the time. Uh, who did I talk to? Rita Ora I talked to. Um, goodness, a lot of people. And I asked a lot of people what they what their song of the summer was. Right, that's the other thing we want to talk to you about. And a lot of people said my song, of course. You know, their, own song. their own. Song. Oh, I was going to say, I was like, you have a single. No, Andrea's oh, no. duet with Celine Dion. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, um, I remember Rita Ora said it was, was going to be her song, which is her new single coming out uh, that she co-wrote, uh, that Ed Sheeran co-wrote. But a lot of people said Drake. I have to say, for song of the summer. Yeah, a lot of people said. They sh- did they give a song? Yeah, which song? Um, mostly they said something by Drake. Or I'm sure it'll be something by Drake. No, that's interesting because a lot of people – I mean, Drake himself has kind of said that he's taking a break after this. Like, he's slowing down. I mean, obviously, he's been on a roller coaster for the past year and a half. That seems weird to think that Drake will be not only back, but, you know, not really having a more live single, not performing on TV. That's that's kind of a weird choice, isn't it? Yeah, but, I mean, I think Passion Fruit is such a summery song. and Drake was obviously on everyone's mind that night with his record-breaking awards, so maybe it just – Drake wins everything. Sure, he'll get. And he had Song of the Summer last year with One Dance. Right, of course. And, uh, but I think people just really are into Drake. I mean, even the artists are, like, obsessed with Drake. But as I said, that song really is a good song for a summer a summer night, a summer afternoon. Uh, I can see why John Mayer did that version of it. It's, like, works in all different arrangements. Right. So. Uh, what else did people say? Beyond Drake, what were some of the, the picks? Beyond their own songs and beyond Drake? People weren't really specific. Nobody was really like, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. It was either Drake or their own, believe it or not. It was, okay. Yeah. So uh, so it's up to us to decide All what right. the song of the summer is going to be, sadly. Well, we got a lot of contenders going on. Um, I'm Like you said, DJ Khaled is kind of the first one. I think a lot of programmers and some fans especially were like, the gauntlet was thrown when I'm the one came out. Obviously having Bieber and Quavo and Chance and Lil Wayne on the song definitely helps. I mean, that seems to me like at least the first contender debuted number one, like you said, and still hanging on in the top five. So... Maybe something starting there. I really agree. I told uh, as soon as I heard that song, I contacted Gary. I was like, oh, my God, song of the summer. Uh, It's just so melodic. But the thing is, is will it hurt it because it's already peaked? It's already entered at number one. Is that going to hurt it on the chart? It's growing at radio. So that's going to keep it steady on the chart. It seems like a song that's going to be in the top five, going to be in the top ten for a long time. So I think it's absolutely going to be a contender. That The other song we've talked about is how uh, Despacito, again, the other Bieber song right now, has actually passed it, been number one, has been gaining more. So it's possible that that could be a bigger hit this summer. Does that surprise you, Andrea? It's sort of a left field like a hit. Dark horse. Yeah, yeah. From, from Latin music, but obviously Bieber making it more accessible. No, I think it kind of has the, uh, what I was talking about to somebody, uh, I think it's got the smooth magic, meaning it is now suitable for so many different genres that it can rack up those points like you wouldn't believe because it now it's got pop and it's got latin and it's got uh it could probably go to ac at some point uh and it can go to 
you know, Radio Disney. It, it could go everywhere. So I think that because it's so multi-genre right. and it's still growing, I think absolutely it can be a contender, sure. Same for I'm the One because you've got the R&B side, you've got pop. This mm-hmm. has uh, pop and Latin. So two two big hits that are finding audiences on, on all sides. But here I am Next to you The sky is more blue In my Miley did Malibu at the BBMAs. Yes, I actually talked to Noah Cyrus on the red carpet, and she talked about how proud she was uh, about Mile, uh, of Miley and her performance, and she was very emotional about the fact that Miley was going to sing the song. She said that Miley played the song for her a couple months ago. She, she really liked it. Um, it's not my favorite song that she's ever released, but the Wait, fact— What is? What is? The first single from her last album. We can't stop. Yeah, but, okay. I really, really like that yeah. one. But I think everybody just is really into this new sound by her. I think everybody's just really surprised. And again, this is a, a song that can now welcome her back to all the different genres that maybe didn't really want to touch her before, like AC or maybe even country a little. She definitely has some country cred. So, and people love her. So, I think that, uh, and it's a you know, it's a it's a summer song it's called Malibu right. for goodness sake. Right. So, I, I think absolutely has a. Uh, has a chance there. Also, speaking to Osiris, I have to give a shout out. I think the album title that she has is that's so clever. NC seventeen, no Osiris, I seventeen. Right. I think that's that's a, that's a good one. I just want to say that's as far as album titles of the year go, that's got to be a contender. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I actually like her her single a lot as well. So yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a Cyrus takeover, and it's what the twenty fifth anniversary of Achy Breaky Heart. Or yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> this, this little Cyrus moment. I mean, you couldn't have planned it better. There was a huge Cyrus invasion on the red carpet, actually, because Noah. Uh, I didn't see Miley, but Noah was there. Right. Tish was there. Yeah. Brandy was there. Billy Ray was there, so it was just, and everybody had something to promote. It was yeah. very cool. People running where Trace was. He might have yes. been the, the, the only one missing right. that night. Oh, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, oh, trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, not to think of you. Bad Liar by Selena Gomez. First of all, everybody loves Selena Gomez. And second of all, it sounds so different. It's got that talking head, psycho killer bass line. Right. The way that she sings it is very interesting. It's written by, co-written by Julia Michaels and Justin Tranter, so you can't get more pop than that. Uh, people have been waiting for something new from her. And also, the, we have the double, uh, the double whammy of the Kygo single right. she did as well, which is also a great song. Yeah, two very different sides of her. I, I think Bad Liar is a song that takes a couple listens at first it sounds really out there and the more you hear it you hear the hook and it seems like yeah this is something that would get stuck in your head and i think also people want to listen to it because they want to parse parse the lyrics for her feelings about the weekend and things like that of course that's (laughs) always you know always got to be in there somewhere um another another pop star people talking about actually interesting that they put the singles out a day apart so selena came out on thursday friday camila cabello puts out her first solo single all by herself you know no collaborations um, what do you think about that song? She performed at the BM- she performed it at the BBMAs, "Crying in the Club." Actually, has a second song out as well. I have questions, but it seems like "Crying in the Club" is is the radio is the first singer. one. Yeah, it has the Christina Aguilera sample, so built-in familiarity on that. I was cute backstage at the uh, BBMAs. Uh, Camilla was sort of introducing herself to Diddy, and they were like fist bumping and stuff. Yeah. It was cute. Harry Styles, what do you, what, what's your take? Uh, everyone seems to have a take on "Sign of the Times." As a first single, I was a little, I thought it was a little slow, but to establish what his new direction is and what his new sound is, I thought it was a smart choice. 
Although programming a song like that has got to be kind of difficult just simply because so many things are upbeat these days and that is very slow and it's very long. Um, and the album, I think, is very good. I think it's solid. I think that um, if people like this, they're going to like more on the record. I don't know what the next single is. People are saying they want two ghosts. Um, and then, of course, if we're going to talk about Harry Styles, we also need to talk about Liam Payne's single. Right. It just feels like solo explosion right now with uh, from One Direction and Fifth Harmony now getting all these different solo projects all at once. It just feels like, like a whole bunch that it wants to keep track of. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the sort of stack out of how and I guess they could have planned it at all, but of course Harry's still going on right now. You've got Niall, you know, Slow Hands is still is still moving up the chart, and I guess his album will be coming out pretty soon. And of course Slow Hands kind of takes him in a different direction that, that Zayn had been in for a while, and then Zayn had the song with Party Next Door. Which I thought was really good. I thought it deserved more than it got. It, it really seemed to kind of disappear <laughs> quickly, and I'm not sure if that was because Harry took all the air out of the room at the moment. Um, but of course Zayn's album, his second album, will be coming at some point. I mean, in, for, in terms of One Direction going five directions i mean it's it's ridiculous how how layered it is but at the same time kind of neat that all the guys have kind of carved out their own little path it's not just right you know five pop songs competing for the same slot at top 40 which i think is you know um really cool and something that they've really stayed true to themselves even though they maybe didn't get to explore it as much in the group as they and in, in the group as much as they would have wanted to that they're at least taking taking hold of it now well, I mean, on that uh, on that topic, it's going to be interesting to see when Fifth Harmony comes back as a quartet and what their new music is going to sound like. They're, I know they're all really excited about it. They think it's the best music they've ever done. Now that Normani has lost Dancing with the Stars, she was robbed, by the way. Now that she's lost Dancing with the Stars, she could focus on getting that uh, record finished. And I don't know, maybe, maybe this is kind of too too weird to think, but I guess with Camila especially, I'll be interested to see you know, what what kind of audience she gets as well. I mean, I'm not sure how Fifth Harmony fans feel about the split. It wasn't a very clean split, obviously. It was, you know, some bad, maybe some bad blood. I mean, has she lost a little bit of that Fifth Harmony crowd? You know, can she make up for it with, you know, the new audience that she'll be getting? It'll be kind of interesting to see how, how especially this first solo song by itself, no Machine Gun Kelly, no Shawn Mendes, does for that reason alone. I would just like to see something completely come out of left field, you know, um, to, to be the song of the summer or, you know, I really loved Greenlight when it first came out. Now right. we're talking about Lord, but now she says a new single is coming. I don't know what it is yet, but I mean, we who knows? That could be a big song. I'm still surprised Greenlight wasn't a much bigger hit. It, was, it really, it had a very quick run at pop radio, got top 10 at Alternative, but it just seemed like it was going to be a really big pop. Maybe it was too much of a pop turn for Lord after you know, a really quirky debut with Royals. I, I I can't really figure out why that wasn't a big pop hit. No, me neither. I mean, it was so, uh, it was one of those punch your fist in the air songs that you just wanted to dance to all night long. I mean, I just love it. So I'm really excited to hear the rest of the album. Uh, so we'll see what that does. But... That was a cool performance on the BBM. Oh, yeah, that was my favorite. Of the ones that I saw, that was one of my favorite ones. But um, but yeah, I mean, like crazy things like Body Like a Back Road. How about that? I mean, it's crossing over from country. Of course, Sam Hunt uh, crossed over last time right. with one of his singles. And this is like what? It's like a two minute, 30 second little ditty. It's incredible how short it is. Like, uh -huh. but it's it's compact, but it, yeah. it packs its punch. Yeah. Right. But the fact that it's doing so well, that's very interesting to me. It's again, it's like it's a real summary song. It's, you know, hanging out, drinking beer, cruising around song. And um, there's a lot of interest in him now, too, because he seems to be doing this. Let me put out some singles before I put out a new album right. thing. And also, he just got married, allegedly. I don't know if he's ever actually confirmed it, but. Paul so. Adele style. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs>
Uh, and then another song that's sort of like, you know, not immediately, but I think uh, Hard Times by Paramore. I think a lot of people are glad to see that group back. And right. that song is so 80s influenced that it's fun, you know, if you remember that era. And Trevor doesn't, but I do. Yeah. And well, and Haley has just such a great voice. And it's uh, I'm glad to see them back. I'd like to see, you know, they've certainly done really well on the pop charts before. And there were, there were more pop hooks on that pool. It was a really good song. It sounds mm-hmm. like if, if Hard Times really connects, there's other potential pop hits mm-hmm. on that album. Oh, I love that dress, but you were What about um, slowing things down a little bit? Bruno Mars is going to be going with Versace on the floor. He performed that at uh, the BBMAs this past week. So obviously, you know, not an upbeat kind of choice. Maybe that's what I like. Would have been more summary for most people. What do you think about the the chances of a, a Bruno R&B leaning ballad to uh, to take over? Well, it's Bruno Mars. Everybody loves Bruno Mars. I mean, when we interviewed people about what they were most excited to see on the show, everybody said they wanted to see Bruno Mars. So I think everything that he does is is going to do well. Yeah. But I think that also now that he's really established himself on the R&B side of things, which he wasn't really before, but now he is solidly, that gives him a lot more opportunity to do really well on the Song of the Summer chart. We talked about uh, big hits. Let's talk about uh, some things that are a little more under the radar. Who knows? Could could wind up uh, blowing up maybe in time to, to really do well uh, this summer. You start, Andrea. You're the guest. Uh, well, I really like this song that Daya did with Griffin called yeah. Feel Good. Right. Um, that's a great song. I, don't, I mean, I think that everybody's really used to her voice now, and they probably want to hear more. It's going to be a while before we get another record for her. And she's, of course, proven how well she does with EDM because of her uh, Chainsmokers uh, hit so but this song I just thought it was great I thought the melody was great yeah it's, it's th- got a great hook yeah and I think if if more people get on it I think it could be pretty big what else you got the Sigrid song Don't Kill My Vibe a lot of people are really excited about that and that's a really interesting message in our days of wanting a lot of female empowerment songs I'm going to reference uh, Haley Steinfeld Most Girls here which is another song that could be really really big I right, think right. Uh, that kind of song is very popular now and she has an interesting voice but it's very modern and cool I like this song Lost on You by LP I don't know if that has a chance in hell of becoming a real pop hit, but... It's growing a little bit of adult uh, pop radio. It's starting. It's just, it's something I heard last year that really kind of stuck in my mind, and I really liked it. Um, Maybe because it really reminded me of, like, classic Gwen Stefani, No Doubt. But I I really do like that song, and I think once you hear it, it's very, very memorable. So those are, like, some left-field things that I like. You're in the Heim camp with me. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I like that one. I mean, again, that is a very summery, breezy song. Uh, I think that their fame has only, when they've been off the radio, their 
fame has grown mostly because of the Taylor Swift connection and just because they're they just seem to be very cool and hanging out with all these people who are cool. So I think there was a lot of interest. And when they came back with this song, which is such a great harmony laden summer song, um, then, uh, you know, I think that it's she's they're going to get a lot more new fans as a result of this. heard the pitbull with Stephen marley options it's pitbull it's the summer um it's a mar <laughs> it's a member of the marley family right sounds pretty good it's catchy it's, it's, just, it, it's, it's not super up tempo but it's just it's a really good hook it uh-huh. kind of grows i've heard it a little bit on top 40 radio something to watch yeah it feels like it feels like every summer um pitbull and like flow rider just like trade off with like who's going to have a summer hit this year and maybe i mean flow rider last year with my house maybe this is pitbull's turn Clean Bandit with Zara Larson's Symphony. I love that song. Um, I'm a real sucker for great melodies. Okay, and better or worse than Rockabye? That's the I like it better than Rockabye. Better, okay. And I think Zara's voice is great, so I, I really like that song. And again, we're saying it could be a uh, song of the summer. could wind up being something we have no idea. Maybe it hasn't even been written or recorded yet. That yeah, could be coming up. And then, of course, you know, like last year we saw, I mean, this wasn't Song of the Summer, but some of these, like Kent Jones, Don't Mind, kind of just first timers explode right. out of nowhere so definitely you know Omi Cheerleader obviously right. a few years back was in, in the exact same category so Childish like Gambino Redbone keeps growing that is, is now really grown after months on the Hot 100 it's been yeah it's hit. been out forever it's, it's like, like November in, yeah yeah. and I think we're uh, and I think we're also uh, we should not discount anything else that Ed Sheeran decides to release right <laughs> and the Chainsmokers right of course alright we've got three months to find out to enjoy the summer and listen to some great music, and we'll find out uh, Labor Day if we were uh, close at all or, or totally wrong on any of these suggestions. We're going to go find out. <laughs> Andrea Dresdale, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cause baby, now we got bad blood. You know it used to be mad love. So take uh, a look what you've done. Because, baby, now we got bad blood. Hey, I can't take it back. Look where I'm at. We was OG like DOC, remember that? So 2017 gave us Cher, Celine Dion. Let's look back a couple years to another BBMA's moment that's going to go down in history. Billboard Music Awards 2015. The show opens. Taylor Swift finally premieres the Bad Blood music video that she'd been teasing you know, for weeks before on social media. All, you know, Selena Gomez is in it. Right. Carly Kloss, a lot of her, her squad at the time. Yeah, never mind. I'm the one. That was actually uh, the female version of uh, Super Squad. Right yeah, there. that was, you know, anyone who was everyone was, was in that music video. I mean, we're, Haley Steinfeld was in it. Right. Um, Selena Gomez. Um, Lena Carly, Dunham was in Lena it. Dunham right, was yeah. there. Um, Soraya from Empire. That was that was the video to be in. Um, but and one and one guy featured on the song. And the the one guy who made the cut, Kendrick Lamar. And that, I think that was probably also the first time that a lot of people had heard the remix version. Right. She had put out Bad Blood originally on the album 1989. Right. Back in 2014, she enlisted Kendrick Lamar and he took over most of the verses. And, you know, the Taylor-Kendrick pairing obviously was successful as soon as the video came out and the week after shot to number one on the Hot 100 and was a, a nice radio staple that summer as well. But uh, kind of an interesting pairing, especially between Taylor and Kendrick. There had been some mutual admiration before, but I don't think anyone saw this kind of collab coming between somebody so pop. And at that time, some Kendrick 
you know, he had huge success, but wasn't, you know, a mainstream pop radio kind of rapper. Right. And you're looking back only two years at this point and you know, look how far he's come. Now he does feel like so much more of a mainstream name. So to think even two years ago, who is this guy on Bad Blood? That, that's how far he's come at this point. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to, for everybody out there, I do not want to say that Taylor Swift put Kendrick Lamar on the map. That is not <laughs> what anyone is trying to say at all. But, you know, one thing that at least the co- the collaboration does do, you know, kind of you have to agree is that for Taylor fans who would have never known about Kendrick, maybe wouldn't have been, you know, in tune with this album, his sales, it brings them to a different audience, you know. And I think that that's something that interestingly a lot of a lot of these sort of pop rap pairings in the past couple of years it's 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 kind of I guess before it seemed a little more um um, natural, you know, and a lot of, especially with a lot of R&B singers, I mean, back in the 90s, you can go back, back as far as Method Man, Mary J. Blige doing their duet back in the mid-90s. You've got, of course, sort of the romantic pairings in the 2000s, Jay-Z, Beyonce, you've got Ashanti and Ja Rule on a lot of, on a lot of those songs, right. Nelly and Kelly Rowland on Dilemma. And then, you know, at some point, it becomes more of, more of a pop phase, and and you get sort of these these almost kind of weird collaborations in the past couple of years. I know that radio in particular has stripped out. If you hear California Girls on an AC yeah. radio station, you would not know that Snoop Dogg was ever a part of the song because Katie uh, does uh, her part of the song. And then there's a little instrumental break and then it goes right back to Katie and Snoop was never there. Yeah. And I mean, like I know even back in the day, and of course, when you hear a song the right way for the first time, it kind of throws you off. I remember when they used to cut out. The beginning of Jay-Z's umbrella part, you know, and just go straight into Rihanna's verse. Yeah, that became an AC hit the same way, just by making it a Rihanna song. And it was like, okay. And then in the past couple of years, we've seen some of these these super pop pairings with rappers that seem almost like, how you know, how did these fit together? I mean, like look at Payphone by Maroon 5. Right. With Wiz Khalifa on verse. And I mean, it's it's kind of weird because I think it's kind of sucks that. The artists, you would, you think that really the artists reach out to the rappers because they're fans, they want to collaborate, they want to work together, and then for radio to be like, eh, maybe not, you know, it's I, I a little think, weird. Yeah, I think a lot of it too is artists at this point have grown up with rap and hip-hop being such a part of their lives that even if they're a pop act, at their core, they love that sound, and a lot of them want that on some of their songs. Even maybe one of the more extreme examples, uh, Florida Georgia Line, bringing in Nelly. On Cruise, a country hit. Obviously, country didn't play the version with Nelly, but we're even seeing that at a genre like country. Yeah, and I mean, in particular, like you're saying, people grew up with the sound. I mean, and you kind of get some of these hybrids too, like 21 Pilots, like with Ride, you know, in particular, I think has a... I mean, he's it's it's again it's kind of even weird. Is he singing? Is is he it's rapping? Almost a, like he... they're their own featured rapper for, for verses. Yeah. And then they have the, the sung chorus. Yeah, 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 definitely. Like there, there's kind of that weird, it kind of hybrid shift. And I, I think in general, you know, people are talking about, especially when you look at somebody like Drake, who's kind of blurring the lines between rap and R and B into a, you know, sort of a one man band kind of style. Um, but it definitely seems like that that pop, pop music, like pure pop, not R and B, not you know, not your Beyonce, Ashanti leanings has really taken a hold of that, and really, more than anything, that also goes to show just how far rap's influence is pervasive. Like you're saying, in, in country, I mean, the fact that, you know, who would have thought this genre that's really, you know, 30, 35 years old? I mean, it's 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 a young it's a young thing, and for people especially like Kendrick, um, you know, Wiz Khalifa, like we saw on Payphone, even Snoop to come back around to this new generation in Legion, can't deny it.
And right after the BBMAs, uh, the Bad Blood video premiered, song went to number one the next week on the Hot 100. Two years later, the answer song to Bad Blood debuts on the Hot oh, 100 no. this week at number 46. Another, another pop rap collaboration. Right. Katy Perry's Swish Swish, Swish featuring Nicki Minaj. Swish Swish. So Katy did a, a song that's basketball themed, Swish Swish. Okay. And everyone seems to think or know that it's about Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is really, really tall. So if they actually played basketball, wouldn't Taylor Swift have an advantage and maybe she'd be the swish swishing one? I mean, if she, but does Taylor have game? I think there there might be a lot of fouls on each side. So the score might be, they might both foul out. They very, might just, yeah, just very, before anyone even, even scores. Left and right, left, right, and center. I, I think as a part of us, uh, us I mean, music fans wonder, there's been so much talk with uh, Katy Perry's album coming out. Uh, and, and all this talk, uh, James Gordon, about uh, the, the the whole rivalry with Taylor. Could this actually uh, all be playing us for, for a duet coming from the two of them? I, at this point, I would really hope not. 2014 is when 1989 came out. Right. So at least before, maybe then, 2013 even. All this for one song? Ooh, that would be kind of, that'd be kind of, yeah. And especially if the song isn't very good. <laughs> I mean, if they're gonna do it. They gotta come up with like a boy is mine banger. I would be, <laughs> I would be highly amazed if somebody made a four year, you know, fake PR scandal to sell one song. But congrats to the real winner in all this. Again, Kendrick Lamar, who is still holding on in the top five. We saw what Damn did earlier this year. I mean, you know, out of bad blood, as much as it helped Taylor, it really helped Kendrick as well. And look where he's at. You know what? They're talking about uh, artists who maybe had some disagreements. Taylor and Nikki, and then they they wound up exactly performing together. But now yeah. Nikki's on uh, the Katy song, so it's all it's all pretty it, intertwined. That's the, that's the way it goes, right? It's all it's all just a giant mess. It's all, it's all for our entertainment, so it's all good for us. Welcome to 2017. All right, next week on the podcast, we're going back to 1995 for our, our guest interview. The Friends theme by the Rembrandts became a huge hit, but I didn't even really know the story until we wound up talking to the programmer who took the TV theme song, less than a minute long, uh, got looped into a longer version, became a hit. Label didn't even want it to become a hit. It's a pretty interesting backstory, so we'll talk about that next week. Charlie Quinn, the uh, programmer at the time in uh, Nashville, maybe uh, one of the people most responsible for that song being a huge hit in 1995 and 22 years later, still a huge hit. Yeah, literally a grassroots movement story that, you know, from a Nashville radio station to... I mean, even nowadays, you know, one of the most iconic theme songs ever. Just, you know, a guy said, hey, this sounds good, and he turned it into a hit. I think we got to talk uh, TV shows and TV themes next week on the podcast. How do you talk to an angel or, you know, some of the – if you look – the look Gary just gave me. I'm very proud of you. He didn't know that. I could put those words together, if let you can, alone knew what it meant. If you can research 70s and 80s TV, I'll, I'll be even more impressed. I mean, we'll see Miami Vice out there, some other things. So um, tune in next week to find out. All right, Trevor, I'm passing the ball to you. Shoot it. And we're going down the lane. We're weaving in and out of the squad. We just go up. Nothing but net. So keep calm, honey. I'm going to stick around for more than a minute. Get used to it. Funny, my name keeps coming at your mouth. Because I stay winning. I am up like. Swish, swish, bish.